So this is a podcast about young social change makers, about global pressing issues, and how our generation is actively working on flipping the narrative. They Asway. They Asway. And I want to give a, a brief intro about you, and I want you to also talk a little bit about yourself. So, as I know, you're passionate about civic engagement, and you are on a mission to change how people in the United States view and interact with politics. You are from America, and particularly from Florida. Is that right? Yes, that is correct. I've bounced around, but home base is Florida. How has this been? How has this journey been for you? Um, political awareness and civic engagement? You know, it's been quite crazy. Um, so I started out on the Hillary Clinton campaign in 2016 as just a young intern. Um, I was always raised in a family. My parents, you know, kind of, you know, always made sure that we talked about politics in the household and we weren't shy away from it. Um, but I joined the Hillary Clinton campaign in 2016 because, quite frankly, I literally just got bored um, in high school. I, I just wrapped up uh, football, so I just got <laughs> insanely bored. So I joined that campaign, uh, and of course, naturally, you know, we all saw how that, you know, panned out, which was not yeah. well. Um, but I kind of, you know, liked it. I enjoyed, you know, that feeling of constantly going. And so I decided to keep on working on campaigns. Um, and so what did you do exactly in that campaign? Uh, so I was just a field intern at that time. So pretty much my job was to, you know, organize volunteers that were going and, you know, calling people to vote, um, canvassing. That was kind of my job is to, mm -hmm. you know, help just organize people. After did you get that. any crazy reactions when you just come up to people randomly? Yeah, were there, I mean, there, there were reactions? definitely some reactions that you got. I mean, and also you're in Florida, which out of all the United States, people say that Florida is a different country and it's also <laughs> one of the most anticipated states for every election. Right? So, it's, a, it's like a swing state, right? Yeah. So there's a, a lot of interesting uh, characters for sure that I read. <laughs> Oh, that's so interesting. So you started off in 2016, uh, and, um, okay, wait, listen, I wanted to ask you something. So um, Reagan and I are in one program. It's called Watson Institute. It's um, a degree in social entrepreneurship. And so I'm a freshman, and Reagan is a senior. He's graduating this May already, which is crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm super happy that I got to interview you because you're graduating soon and I don't know if like, I can interview you next time or not. So anyways, so I joined the group chat recently and I remember one time uh, you messaged all of us an interesting statement and I even want to read it out loud here. Yeah. <laughs> don't, be, don't freak out, Megan. <laughs> Um, so, quote, like, we are in a polarized time. We're all okay, but for the woman in this program, I ask you to be careful. I'm fighting for you, and I will keep on fighting for you all. But at the end of the day, here in the United States and the world, we have a huge problem with females being degraded against. I know for a fact that men in Watson stand by your side, all of us. For all international students, I can assure you that what you are experiencing aren't American values. This is not for what we stand for. This is not what I stand for. Can you please comment on that? 
Yeah, so that was definitely during a time when I had, you know, that week especially, there were some laws being passed. And I think the way the United States works is really weird. Because, um, you know, states really make the decisions themselves. And at that time in Florida, we basically had a bill that would allow men to ultimately um, sexually assault a woman. And, for instance, if she got pregnant, um, she were not to be, you know, allowed at all to get an abortion or even have any reproductive rights herself. And there's also, you know, been some, you know, hate crimes against women, which I don't think people really realize um, here in the United States. And, you know, you might not see it all the time, but we're still in a very big uphill battle, especially for women. And I think, you know, it is time that we kind of highlight stuff and, you know, people start speaking out more for women because if it keeps on going the direction it is, and luckily it, it has kind of, you know, had some take back lately, it's going to end up pretty bad. So, so when you talk about, um, all those experiences, oh, by the way, Reagan, it, first of all, like when I saw that message and like, that was so random, but like, yeah, I was so, so, yeah. The problem with that, it was random and I know it was pretty random, but that was like, I knew like in that time, I knew what they're debating on the house floor. So I kind of like, you know, I was like warning everyone there's something going on. Wow. No, but like the way you, you phrased it, like the way you just put it for me, it was amazing. And also I was impressed that you were so active about it. Since the beginning, I joined Watson. You were always in the Slack group. You were like messaging about the election because that was right on the corner back then, right? The election and, um, you were just so active. I never saw any person like in the group chat that active before in my life. So I was like, okay, Reagan. Okay. I see you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and I saw this message. I'm like, well, we do have people who are like standing by our side. And like, we see, I like, I have that person in my program, which is like, wow, I was so like impressed. And that's nice that you realized that and you were able to recognize yeah. that. But I think, you know, it's definitely a job that needs to be done. Um, and I think every guy in this program, I know James, for instance, um, and a couple of others, you know, they are all kind of with me and they stand for the exact same reason, which I, I like a lot. And it's the reason why I joined Watson. Yeah, that's so cool. Oh. Um, so another thing I wanted to ask you is, um, I know you are doing an internship right now. Or is that correct? Or you did do an internship in NB, like in a channel, on a channel? Is that right? Uh, yeah, I've actually worked for a few channels. Okay, can you talk about that experience? Um, so, you know, I, I pretty much do think fully due to my connections that I have been able to get while, you know, throughout politics. Because since, you know, that 2016 campaign, I had, I, you know, I was a part of the March for Our Lives movement, which was pretty big. Um, and all that. So I was able to connect with some pretty cool people, but I started working with MSNBC um, because they had to plan a town hall within like 48 hours, which was the Trump town hall um, down in Miami. Someone knew me from that was helping plan it, and they're like, oh, just call Reagan and see what he can do. So they called me up, and in 48 hours, we were able to get a town hall together. Um, and then that has led to some more opportunities for me, uh, in planning, you know, these town halls events, um, 
as well planning some other, you know, really cool news events, as well debates. So I think that has definitely been a pretty cool thing. And then um, pretty soon here, I am going to be going and helping out with uh, CNN. Uh, to do because, what? Uh, to help be a special assignment reporter. Um, mm -hmm. So basically, let's say, you know, we have the midterms coming up here in Florida, which, and the country, which means, you know, a lot of governors, a lot of Senate races, and a lot of House seats are all up um, for the election. So pretty much my job would be, you know, let's say if there's a House seat in uh, Wisconsin that needs uh, some press, they're going to send me over there. So what is your job like? So you do report? You do report on that? Yeah, so or? with them I would be basically doing reporting. Um, my job with MSNBC was pretty much, you know, setting everything up and getting everyone for the town hall. So what is the biggest challenge for that? Uh, getting people on board. Um, vet vetting people too, because you're not going to want to, you know, just randomly pick someone off the street. Um, and you also have to, like, check yourself, too, because you don't want to have someone ask a question in town hall, and if it's the President of the United States, um, ask him a question, right. and the guy asking a question might be, you know, a sex offender or something. It, you gotta be, like, really particular with that kind of stuff, and, you know, make sure the background checks are clear. And then also, it's not easy to plan with the U.S. government at all. I mean, I think you probably know more no, than me. Yeah, um, no, it's horrible. I hate the paperwork, the legal work. Ugh. Yeah, the U.S. government is really hard to plan with. So a lot of planning with the government, which is always the hardest part. I think it's the, also the most boring part, isn't it's it? It's super boring. And it's, I know. You know, luckily they have people um, to fill out stuff for me, but it's also like, you know, you in a 48-hour span, you're trying to get everything, and then you're like, hey, I need the Secret Service to help me with this. Like, Wait, wait, wait. Why, so why was it in 48 hours? Uh, because basically what had happened was Trump, you know, had just gotten COVID. Mm -hmm. um, he was just getting over COVID, which, you know, we had planned it, and then they had canceled it, right? Um, and then there was a debate supposed to happen, which people forget there was still a debate that was supposed to happen within those mm -hmm. two weeks, which never happened. Um, so we were, and then Biden was doing a town hall. So the Trump campaign was like, hey, we want him to get some more TV time and press time with the American people because it looks good. And so interestingly, um, they wanted a program like MSNBC, which isn't Fox News. You know, Trump's base is Fox News and they know where he's going to head. But MSNBC would probably attract, you know, more, more some of the progressives to vote for Trump and not mm -hmm. um, and independent voters. So they tried rushing it at the same time that Biden has town hall. I think Biden's town hall was just the day before. So they needed to rush it really fast. And then that's the reason why they pretty much in 48 hours was like, hey, we need this done now. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, a network's not going to pass up an opportunity to hold a town hall with arguably one of the most talked about men on the planet so <laughs> that's one way to put it yeah that's that's probably um, the nicest way i could have put it yes i was about to say so politically correct <laughs> yes very politically correct <laughs> okay wait um a little bit of backstory um i'm an international student 
first time in America and Honestly, I have no idea what his town hall is. I've never been there. I never heard about it even. <laughs> um, so, but like, can you briefly explain in simple terms what is town hall? Yeah, so basically what a town hall is, is, you know, in town halls, I just want to begin to explain that town halls is like the reason why the United States um, works. It's the reason why it's a democracy. Um, but town halls is basically where any politician and politicians from the president to you know your mayors and your city council members are holding town halls all over the country but it's where you know you get a collective group of individuals and um, they are to ask you uh, questions and it can be any question of any type now when it comes to like you know a presidential town hall usually the network's going to give them the questions to ask because we mm -hmm. just don't want to have someone you know ask a random question that might be too controversial uh, so Collectively, a town hall is basically where, you know, a candidate is interviewed on issues and a politician is also interviewed on issues. And so when you say you do background checks on the people that are there present, so how seriously do you do the background check and how basically that means you're filtering people and isn't that also kind of biased at the same time? Like yeah, you filter so people? There's actually a really, so that's the reason why someone like me is in place, um, because I am a Democrat. I've worked for the Democratic Party, but I had also started Gen Z, which was the only organization to be recognized by uh, both the Republican and Democratic Party. What do you um, mean? It, so it was the only organization strictly for voting rights um, that was publicly supported and endorsed by both major parties. Um, so therefore, mm -hmm. so for instance, you know, a lot of these organizations are usually uh, policy driven, mm -hmm. which means, you know, let's say the League of Women Voters, for instance, they might not say that they're policy driven, but they're actually pretty policy driven. Um, and they align more with the Democratic Party and are, you know, registering more Democrats. Mm -hmm. For instance, something like Turning Point USA um, is aligned more with the Republican Party and they're registering more Republicans. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. When I started Gen Z, it was middle ground. And we, you know, we weren't just going for Republicans and Democrats, we were going for the craziest uh. we could and the most independent. So I had that recognition from that. Um, and there's actually a really... So when you're on a major TV network, there are rules in place um, where you can't be too biased. There are actual mm -hmm. rules um, that the government does, you know, kind of set for free press that they do make you abide by, as well the cable companies also make you abide by. Wow, wow. So several questions here. Uh, Gen Z, you have a, what is that? An organization, yeah, so a party? That was uh, my first nonprofit I had started, which was Gen Z Votes. And really, mm -hmm. it was just what we did was we connected a bunch of organizations together um, and tried, you know, to really get out a youth vote. Um, really, what we focused on was using Snapchat and uh, Twitter instead of, you know, your Facebooks and stuff. So mm -hmm. we did it like, and, you know, for instance, we made a deal with Lyft where Lyft basically took, gave a ride to um, every student that wanted to vote on Election Day. So that's kind of what we did. We did a lot of partnerships and, you know, just register people to vote. But that's what wow. Gen Z was. 
And what do you mean was? Is it still working? Uh, we disbanded um, in April of last year just because nowadays it's really hard to have a voting nonprofit uh, because <laughs> there is so many. We came into the market that wasn't really as saturated as it is now. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so, and then also question about basically biases and channel, like media channels. So um, my question is, do you think your work is more of a journalism or yeah, it is, is it more of... Mm-hmm? It is more journalism, but I, you know, I accidentally walked into journalism. Right? You, yeah. It's not like you aimed for journalism. That's I what didn't I'm aim for it at all. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I try to use, and the town hall kind of exploits that. Um, is trying to get Gen Z's voice also onto there. Because that was really, you know, not getting just, you know, your normal, you know, guy named Kim in, in Atlanta, Georgia, that makes $600,000 a year asking the present questions. What I try to do is get, you know, the normal person to ask you questions. The normal individual that's probably struggling to pay bills. Um, and that's not usually part of the conversation to be come into the conversation. And so, as a, like, basically, you would, would you consider yourself a journalist, or how would you define that term? I would basically consider myself a journalist, for sure. Okay, and, Um, but it's definitely a mix of journalism and political activism. Yeah, it's definitely a mix of activism and journalism. Okay, and, um... And you are in a social entrepreneurship degree, so it's all all those amazing mixes. <laughs> yeah, everything mixed together. So how do you feel about that? Um, I So I actually originally wasn't going to go to school for social entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. I originally wanted to be a uh, chemistry major. <laughs> yes, Fun fact. <laughs> that just made me... Oh my God. Um, okay. I really wanted to be an anesthesiologist, <laughs> uh, which is the guy that Yo. gives you drugs and puts you to sleep. <laughs> um, so I had never really thought of social entrepreneurship until my senior year. I kind of, um, my counselor, uh, because I was an athlete, I had a special counselor that kind of like, you know, helped me with certain things. And she was like, well, you know, uh, and at the time, I had also uh, received a suspension from the NCAA, um, not because I did anything wrong, because I was offered something on a recruiting trip. Uh, mm-hmm. It was like tw- a $20 um. gift or something like that, but that's illegal to do. Not like as in illegal as in like, it's not like federally illegal, but it's illegal with the NCAA, so I would have you know, gone into one year of ineligibility immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I decided to fi- figure out something else, and then she was like, well, why don't you try this program called Watson? Um, and then I applied, and I just started Gen Z at the time. I was just, you know, getting uh, initiated with March for Our Lives, doing all that. So I applied, and then I figured out, like, I really enjoyed it, and I really enjoyed this type of work, so I was, I'm going to go major in this instead. And how did this help you in your journalism and political activism journey? You know, I think it's special, especially to be a part of a program like Watson. You know, with my Watson class, for instance, I was the only student to graduate from high school and go straight into college. College. Um, 
What do you mean you were the only one? I was the only one to do that. What about the rest? No, they took so gap everyone years, else had go, gone to some kind of college or um, had spent some time like as a gap year. For instance, you know Bella and um, Sam. Oh. They went to kind of like their own thing. I was the only one, literally, just and you know Nathan went to Arizona for two years. Yeah. But I was the only one to come straight out and kind of go straight from high school to college. So, so the youngest. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm the youngest. Still am the youngest. Still I'm the only yeah. one that can't drink in our class. <laughs> but, uh, but so it was neat for me to, you know, when you're doing that, I don't really have a worldview. I didn't really have a, you know, massive view besides my brother living in Russia at one point. So, like, <laughs> that's the only kind of worldview I had. Um, mm-hmm. And then once I came into it, I learned what the world's literally like, you know, I was getting advice from, you know, James, who was literally helping kids on off the streets and, uh, Nigeria, you had Wainwright, who, if you go onto the UN website, his face is right there front and center. And it was like, I'm like, working with all these amazing people. And, you know, I think, you know, majoring in this degree has also allowed me to grow as a person and learn as a person. Shout out to James and Wainwright. Shout out to James and Wainwright. <laughs> By the way, I just interviewed James like the other day, and I'm planning to interview Wainwright next time. So oh, hopefully. so you had the the full full school. Literally, exactly. No, that was my plan. I'm pl- I'm planning to interview the seniors because you guys are leaving, and I want you to speak here and to share your stories. Well, that's awesome. smart of you to do. Yeah, hopefully I'll get to, you know, everyone. I mean, not everyone. Oh, it's so bad that Bella and Samuel, for example, and Anna Heat are all the way over there. It's just so Yeah, sad. Bella and Samuel are fun, too. Yeah. And Anna Heat as well. Yeah, well, Anna Heat's just... Anna Heat's a queen. She, she's a queen. <laughs> Anna Heat is the mom of... Yeah, I love Anna Heat. And I do take credit for their relationship. Yeah, just to make sure everyone knows. I I know that's history, but you know, I do take credit for making it happen. People can disagree with me, but I am the one that made it happen. For what? For making to him make happen what? Uh, for those two to be in a relationship. Really? Yeah. Because if I (laughs) I didn't get lost at the beach one night, really, and everyone was looking (laughs) for me, then they started dating. So I I, I take credit for it. Wait, what's that story? I mean, we can uh, talk about it later if you yeah, want. Yeah, but... we can talk about it off. Okay. <laughs> wow, that's so sweet. Um, yeah, so back to journalism and political activism. <laughs> um, so right now, what are you working on right now? Or what are your plans? You know, like, what do you dream of? Uh, I, so I'm working on something right now. Um, it's actually about what I've been working on for the last three years at Watson and then launching an app. Um, in a network that's almost a LinkedIn for political campaigns and organizations. Wow. Um, So I am in the process of hopefully launching that by May 10th. Um, So hoping for that. That's coming up so soon. Yeah, it is coming up. But that's one um, of the big things I'm trying to do. And then I'm going to continue to, uh, you know, kind of start with the journalism uh, as well, you know, open up some conversations for people to be had. Uh, I think one important thing 
as you know getting women to run for office right now for me um and that's really what i'm going to try to do is get a lot of women to run for office for the next midterm um, how why is that important for you and how are you going to do that you know at the end of the day we've had 200 plus 240 plus years of this country being ran by white old men it's and the country still needs some fixing that's obviously a problem and they're obviously not doing the right job and you know i've learned that you know if you look at states like nevada that's a mainly female house they're the only uh state finishing with a surplus right now they're the only state that's not in debt they're the only state that's actually taking care of every citizen um and they were hit hard by covid too they weren't like you know their main driving force is tourism but somehow they still kept up out of the covid year it's telling you that you know women are better on the as politicians than men reagan do you mind if i just throw a controversial statement here um i mean you are a white man yeah you know what i mean and like you are actively like engaged in something in support for women like how would you argue like how do you feel the pain or you know you're not a woman you're not a person of color and you are actively in that like how would you argue and why do you think you, you feel problem. that because i've been the problem at the end of the day right mm-hmm. and that's like you know the one of the reasons why i argue is and you know being a white male you get everything handed to you i've never really had problems with you know having to feel worried to walk down the street at night i've never had problems with having to uh do anything like you know i've never had to be have fears that you know someone's going to call me a racial slur i've never had any fears but mm-hmm. there everyone else has fears the only reason why i don't have those fears is because i'm a white guy a white straight male and that's mm-hmm. that something about that's not right i think you know it's my debt to the society to pay back and you know help because i think if you're anyone and if you want to make a change in the world you've got to address it yourself and i think that's one of the things that i've tried to do um as someone said to me recently you want to give what you have yeah and that's that's exactly what it is and you know, it's been, people have been trying to do that for a long time, but it's nothing's been working because the white man is, he's still in power. <laughs> yeah, still. Um, wow. Um, that's, that's really, really wonderful, like, to feel that. And I totally get that you want to kind of pay back to the society, but also... I also really admire that you recognize your privilege. You recognize not only your privilege in terms of race, gender, but also, hey, you've never been on the streets. Like you have a family. You, you know, you're you're in college and stuff like that. Yeah, and I, you know, it's not even like you know, uh, someone can have more money than me, right? It's not like you know. Um, let's just say if you and I, for instance, if we walked in somewhere, uh, to get a job or get funding, especially in, you know, still in this time, uh, if I walked in there, I probably would get 
funding and you probably wouldn't for my company. And it could be the exact same company. We have the exact same thing and we say the exact same thing, but I walk out with the money and you don't. That's because solely just the fact that I'm a white male and you know, I'm not an international, I'm not in anything. And I think, you know, you can, as a white male, I've had to go through struggles. Like my parents aren't together, but you know, and I've had to deal with adversity, but I'm still, I'm not ever going to have to deal with as much adversity as any woman in this world has, any black male has in this world, any black woman, any type of minority has had to deal with in their lifetimes. Well, I do want to argue, like, you don't compare really pain to, like, your pain is equally important, valuable, and valid, you know, like, it's still, like, when you compare, you say, oh, there's always someone in a worse situation, or, oh, there's something always better, or, for example, like, your, your situation is equally important, and it's nothing like that, you, you know like, what I mean? Like, yeah. there's no person that experiences what you experience, so you cannot compare it. You know what yeah, I mean? and I get that for sure, and I I know that you can't compare, and nobody can compare their experiences to. Yeah. You know, you're lying if you say that you are able to compare your. Exactly, it's like but you can't. Yeah, I know for a fact that there's a lot of experiences that I haven't had to go through, and I there's a lot of daily things that I don't even notice that everyone has to go through. You know, I don't need to keep a pepper spray on my keys. Most women do, though. Yeah. You know, I don't have to live with those fears. The only fear that I have to live with is I'm going to be hit by a car running in the morning. That's really the only fear I have to live with. Are you afraid of COVID? <laughs> uh, I, I don't even know. I, I still don't know how I haven't gotten it, to be quite honest with you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but about journalism, back to that, I'm so curious... What is the best tool that you, that, like, what is most effective tool for you to use in journalism? And what do you, what do you prefer to write or to speak or to interview? Like, what is your preferable media tool? You know, I always prefer to, you know, write on a piece of paper. Uh, but I do not prefer that with journalism because my handwriting is impossible to read once I get to that. I get so caught up in conversation, I lose my writing. So a lot of the time I just use a voice recording okay. um, and then just play that back. Or, you know, I'll go on my, I have Word on my phone, so I'll just, you know, dictate the, once they speak, it'll just literally say what they say. So, what is that app called? It's on Word. Word? Um, yeah, Microsoft Word. They have really? That feature. They Oh, I didn't so know. That's a cool tip. Essay, go use that. <laughs> okay, tip taken. Oh, oh, Reagan, tell me about your app again. Like, or do you mind sharing your like yeah. your story and since yeah, no, it's launching so soon? It's all so it's pretty much what I've been working on throughout Watson, um, and I had gotten the idea from seeing how uh, you know Republicans and Democrats work together uh, with Gen Z. And so basically I figured out, you know, the one problem about elections is you have, say, roughly around 6,000 elections that happen every cycle, right? And the big problem I realized was people could not communicate. There's always this miscommunication. For instance, if you really look at Hillary lost, no, there was no, you know, hackings or anything. They just miscommunicated. 
Wait, um, wait, where is you still there? Yeah, I don't wait one second. <laughs> Why is uh oh here? <laughs> I just pressed the button. Sorry. <laughs> uh, um, but you know, miscommunication is the biggest problem in elections, and you know. That's the reason why Hillary ultimately lost. No, there were no people hacking the elections. It was honestly just miscommunications, and I know that because I was on that campaign. So miscommunication in what? In what degree? Uh, in messaging um, and everything. In messaging you know, what? Where? You know, like, let's say, for instance, there was a event happening. Um, usually, if you have, if you look at presidential campaigns, they're usually going to be following each other. Mm-hmm. And, for instance, Donald Trump came in to Sarasota mm -hmm. uh, four days before the election. That's in Florida, right? Yes. Yeah, just to clarify uh, for everyone who doesn't know. Yeah. And then and two days later, we learned that Hillary Clinton was coming down. Oh. But they said that she was, like, coming by 6 p.m. We didn't have an event space. We didn't have anything. <gasps> The national campaign just said that. So, like, the people around her just said that. They, they made that decision but never told anyone about it. So that's the type of miscommunication. Crazy. I didn't know. I never thought that would happen, like, on that kind of level, you know? That can yeah. happen just on a school level, but... And that happens all the time. And it happens a lot more than you think. And it happens oh God, to both Republicans and Democrats. So starting something that where you could connect with each other as well, you know gain resources from each other and it, you know it, can, it doesn't have to be just you know events but it could also be like fundraising for instance if you have if you have a candidate that needs to raise three million dollars by the next quarter and they're in you know alabama you're gonna have to connect with someone that knows donors in california so you're gonna have to connect with a candidate in california to help you fundraise that money wow and so your app is basically helping like improve the communication, I guess? Or? Yeah, improve the communication for Republicans and Democrats. So both parties? Yes. Regardless. Okay, that's interesting. And uh, how how would that app work exactly for communication? Um, so it would almost be like a LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. um, so you can connect with any kind of campaign or company. Um, and I had actually, so back to the, so for... The last election cycle, I helped out this organization called Power of the Polls, mm -hmm. in which you know we partnered with Uber, we partnered with a bunch of these different organizations and a bunch of these field um, grassroots organizations for voting, and what we kind of, we made a Slack channel, oh. and that's how they connected through that. So it'd almost be like a Slack channel for um, these campaigns and organizations. And so how do you sign up for that? And like, uh, how so are you, you going to check them? It will be something that uh, we are going to have to require a few things um, for people that sign up. It is going to be a little bit exclusive mm -hmm. uh, for, you know, the campaigns and everything. So there is going to be, you can, anyone can download it. Mm -hmm. um, and then anyone could, it's also going to be a software too. Um, so... It's going to have to start out to sign up. You're going to have to give your um, candidate ID number, which is universal. Everyone has one. We'll process that through a database. And if we find that it matches a candidate, they're allowed into the app. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the ID, what is that ID again? Like uh, it's basically a, it's like your social security number. Okay. 
um, but it's for candidates. You know, every politician has one. Um, uh, everyone mm-hmm. has to file for that. Gotcha. It, it, they all have different ones, too. For instance, mm-hmm. Obama has a different one from when he ran for president than the one that he had when he was just a state senator. Mm, okay, different statuses, different IDs. Gotcha. Yeah. And uh, so that's cool that you will require, like, some kind of ID to get into. So, listen, um, me, uh, I am not a citizen, but also I'm very interested in how that app looks. Would I be able to, like, scroll through or see the news or... Yeah, there will be, like, a feed part of it, too. Mm-hmm. It won't just be, you know... That's the hardest thing that I've been working on is making that okay. for, you know, that network for everyone. Um, there will be a part of the app that is meant for everyone there's also going to be a part of the app where you can find jobs mm-hmm. um, for campaigns because it doesn't matter um, too if like for instance you're an international student you can still go work on a campaign I mean you can work for free uh, yeah and that's, that's also <laughs> something that's, that sucks. <laughs> exactly so let's call it volunteering <laughs> yeah it's volunteering yeah it's not working <laughs> Which sucks. Ugh, but most anyway. people end up volunteering. Even Americans? Yeah, actually, that's how I originally started out. I, it was an internship. I didn't get paid anything. Yeah. My first mm. few campaigns, I didn't get paid anything. Which is also something that's kind of messed up on its own, right? And I can talk about that, but... Yeah. That's um, kind of like, you can't, like... You know, it's abusing, basically, employees or, like, just labor workforce. There's also a time that, you know, a lot of the campaign staff, because a lot of campaign staff, they're actually, they only work on campaigns, so they constantly move and to go work on these campaigns. Yeah. Um, they thought about unionizing at one point. Yeah. Now, the Republicans do treat their campaign staff a lot better when it comes to financial. Republicans? Republicans yeah, Republicans do pay their employees a lot more than the democrats do um, yo i didn't know that when it yeah when it comes to field organizers for sure republicans often pay their campaign interns and staff more and how do you feel about that uh they were better at fundraising at one point it's kind of how i feel right now i mean for instance biden uh, paid his entire staff he did a really good job at that like he made sure that all these field organizers were paid Mm-hmm. Um, and all interns were given some kind of compensation. Okay, that's good. That's uh, improve, improving, right? Yeah, it's definitely... I also wanted to ask you, since you're here, you're in politics, I am so confused about the Electoral College, like, about the election. Oh. Like, I'm, I'm just like, why do you have that even? It's just so weird for me. Like, why do you have just the public, opi- like, the public, what is that even, vote? Just the public uh, vote. Public opinion. Yeah, public vote. Why would you... Well, so that doesn't work. Um, And there's a reason for it. And, you know, yes, we did need to update the Electoral College. Big die. We really need to update it. Uh, Because Hillary Clinton shouldn't be winning by 4 million votes and then still losing the election. Right? Um, So we do need to update it for sure. So how does that work? Well, first... The first step we would need to take is make a five-year census instead of a 10-year census. Mm-hmm. What a census is is basically something that everyone in the United States fills out, and it pretty much gains the population and income levels of every area of the United States. They rely on that census to gerrymander, which gerrymandering should be illegal right now. Wait, um, what is that? Who is that? That's where the you know the presiding party of each you know state 
they're allowed to draw the congressional districts of um, each seat. So if you look up, for instance, um, a I know there's one district here in Florida that literally wraps around and goes like that. And it only has about a couple square mileage of half of its um, constituents because it will make Republicans win the seat more. Mm. Um, so the way the Electoral College works is, for instance, uh, the most populated state in America is um, California. California has the most electoral votes, which is, I think, 55 right now. And that's all the, uh, that makes up for all of the congr- Congress members and the two Democratic senators. Mm-hmm. Now, this allows, though, a state, for instance, like Montana, that only has about 600 citizens. Thousand citizens, not 600 people, sorry. <laughs> 600,000, um, yeah. This allows an equal voice for them to make, and they only have like three electoral um, votes. Yeah, only three people. But it's not like, for instance, it allows representation not just for, um, you know, the big cities like L.A. and stuff. It allows representation from all over the country in those rural areas as well. So it allows more of a collective representation of the entire United States. Mm. But the reason why it doesn't work a lot of the time is because people haven't updated it. And how would you think they should update it? Uh, We should update it in a few ways. For instance, I personally think if there is an over-under margin on a popular vote, um, for instance, if, you know, Hillary Clinton won by 3 million votes and she lost the Electoral College, there should be the Supreme Court to vote and decide whether or not who's going to win. Okay, so there should be, like, another check balance, like... Yeah, there should be another check, because there's no checks and balances on it. Okay. Uh, which is a problem, a big problem, too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that and makes then, so sense, total sense. Yeah, and then uh, the other thing, too, is we need to start recognizing more um, territories that we have. Uh, I, For instance, Puerto Rico mm-hmm. is a member of the U.S. They can't vote for president. Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding. They're not allowed to vote What? And they actually are way more populated than almost... I think, 10 states. Oh, my God. I feel so bad that I, d- I didn't know this. <laughs> yeah, well, Yo, it's, it's hard oh to, like, God. for instance, you know... I thought that's by default. Literally, I thought that's by default they allow, they're allowed to work. Yeah, like. and they should be because those are the guys that are deciding their funding, and they actually can't even have a member of Congress vote. So they send someone to Congress every year, but they're not allowed to vote. They're allowed to sit on committee, but they're not allowed mm-hmm. to vote. Um, and another one is, uh, Washington, D.C., which just passed statehood yesterday. Oh, it did? Uh, yes, in the House. The Senate has to vote on it now. Okay, let's see. I mean, yeah, Which it makes sense, so it's gonna... That could, yeah. Um, but D.C. statehood also needs to happen, so we need to acknowledge statehoods, too, um, and bring in more statehoods, because that'll allow more of an even margin in the electoral mm-hmm, college mm-hmm, as well. Mm-hmm. But the Electoral College is very smart, and it also allows, you know, for people not to stay in office for super long. Exactly, yeah. Um, you know, I think a 
like, I don't know how you feel about Putin and Russia, but it seems like he's been in office for a long time. <laughs> it seems that way. <laughs> yeah, and... Longer than I'm alive. <laughs> you know, that would never happen in the United States. Yes, we have term yeah. limits, but it also would never happen because he would probably be voted out um, due to the Electoral College. Listen, um, but people say that Electoral College is benefiting more Repu more Republicans than Democrats. Yeah, so the reason why they say that is because it does benefit more um, Republicans due to the sheer fact that more Republicans live in rural areas. You know, mm. Republicans are going to be living in more of your Alabamas, your Montanas, those kind of states. Mm -hmm. So it does support them in that way. And the, um, you know... The last few elections that where the popular vote was won by a Democrat, um, the presidency was run by a Republican. Mm -hmm. So I don't think the last time a Republican truly won the... So Bush won the popular vote and carried the Electoral College in 2004, but he lost the popular vote in 2000. So it's been a long time since, you know, a Republican has actually won both. And do you think that um, if we update it, it can be, like, more of an advantage for both sides instead of one, right? Yeah, I think to make it an advantage for both sides is the most important key to everything. Because you can't, this country cannot run with, you know, no opposition. Uh, we were made for debate. We were made for two conflicting sides to have a voice. And that's the only way that we operate. I mean, exactly. And I think that's working pretty clearly that there is an opposition in America because how I feel about Russia is... Okay, so listen, in high school, I was taught that democracy is about people having the, the right to vote and like basically the people have the power. But once I came to college, I realized that true democracy is actually about having opposition that is, is, is like having the opportunity to be more powerful than the government. Basically that the opposition is powerful and it has that opportunity. Whereas in Russia, there, there is opposition, but it, it's like not working. Yeah, like it does not it have like the possibility. Opposition's limited, correct? Exactly, and that's not democracy. How can you have democracy if there is... And I only learned this when I came to college. Can you imagine? Like, I didn't yeah. learn this in, in, in Russian school. Well, yeah, <laughs> and I think, you know, the reason why we work is the fact that we could say anything the hell we want. Like, we can say anything we want about our leader. And, you know, opposition is just insanely healthy. Like, you know, it gets scary when a party controls all three chambers. That's when it gets scary because that's not how we work. And that's, you know, once we see that happen, for instance, some really good examples, like right now, um, the Democratic Party controls all three chambers, but there's still some opposition. Like, for mm -hmm, instance, mm -hmm. the Senate's at a 50-50 split right now. Mm -hmm. um, but the most important factor for the United States especially uh, is the fact that, you know, you see these time periods, for instance, let's say Reagan, um, when Ronald Reagan was president and not me. Uh, you know. 
<laughs> well, I hope to see you one day uh, as a president. <laughs> uh, when he was president, he had pretty much a control over everything, and we saw deregulation, 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 right? And we saw this, this, and that. Well, what happened? We got into a massive economic standstill, and we tripled our debt. Uh, let's say Bush in 2008. He had pretty much controlled everything. What happened? We went into a housing recession. So, if you have one party controlling everything, it's not gonna work. And I don't think it'll ever work. So that's kind of, you know, the reason why democracy falls so much on having opposition. That's wonderful. That's, you know, like being here in America and seeing that it actually works and um, just at least somewhere it works. It just makes me hopeful. <laughs> yeah, and I think it works. You know, we're not perfect. And yeah, of course, you're not. The way that you guys we are founded, not. <laughs> too, is we literally founded for the fact of we're not perfect. We were founded to build upon, to try to make it perfect. That's, you know, the reason why the Founding Fathers were so vague, if you really read the Constitution, they were super vague. Exactly. They did that for a reason, so people could d debate it. And adapt it. Yeah. It's very important, because, like, so many things are so not up-to-date, right? And you just, it's so important to keep track of what is not important anymore, what is more important now. Obviously, 21st century is not the same uh, as it was, right? Like, the world is no. not the same. The 21st century is not the same at all exactly. you know as when people like you know the perfect thing is the second amendment here in the country second amendment was written in 1776 when it took 13 minutes to load a gun 13 minutes yeah now it's like one second <laughs> yeah now you now you got like guns that can just like shoot like per millisecond exactly <laughs> that needs an update yeah oof yeah oh that's heavy and, you know, the Founding Fathers weren't sitting there thinking that, you know, people could have AK-47s just popping off. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't expect America to become this, for sure. <laughs> no, they, they did not expect anything. It was pretty much just a bunch of white guys that didn't want to pay taxes at the end of the day. <laughs> That's the way the United States started. Uh, yeah, and where it is now, right? <laughs> yeah. I think that we're having some very good conversation when it comes to change, especially in the United States. Um, and I, I don't know what Russia's like, you know, what is Russia like right now? Well, the last time the Constitution was changed, um, they, they literally changed it like a year ago, and they introduced like um, a couple of things like strict, strictening the LGBTQ illegal side of it like it was illegal before but now it's like even more illegal <laughs> to have like so it's um, illegal same sex marriage have same sex marriage wait what yeah it's, it's illegal, illegal to be gay yes <laughs> i didn't know that yes reagan it's illegal to be gay in russia what you didn't know that <laughs> i didn't know that i know it's so that's pretty messed up. It's hugely messed up. Yeah, and then, so do you know, like... Um, I have friends. Of course you do, but you do know gay people in Russia. Of right? course, they suffer a lot. They really and want then to do they away. have to just be, like, you know, 
quiet about it. Yes, pretending quiet or not showing in person in public, not not holding hands in public. Yeah,、What? it's really now.、Difficult. Do you think if the United States got into it?、Um, Let's say if we basically said, you know, we're not going to give you these trade deals. You think that would give some influence to stop, you know, those kind of laws? Because that's like against, you know, I mean, we're pretty new to it too. Yeah, like, you are. We、yeah. we just recently, Pat, like the Supreme Court recently, seven years ago, just decided that. And also, like,、uh, it's not like all states have that, right? Some states are still in the process.、Um, legally. Every state has to abide by that law now, because the Supreme Court decided on it. Okay.、Um, so, like for instance, some states, however, if you are、uh, gay, you can't adopt a child. And they'll pass those laws a lot. They'll try and pass those laws, but once it goes to the, it's going to get sued by someone, and once it goes to the Supreme Court, they cut it out like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but. Um, for instance, you're also seeing a lot more blowback from people、uh, when you have. I'm trying to think who was it.、Um, oh, in Arkansas, for instance, Arkansas's house just passed. You know, they have this really Republican governor, but they just passed. You know, this really anti-LGBTQ act. The governor actually got rid of it,、um, and he reversed it, so he vetoed the law. That's、due、good. to the sheer fact that、um, here in the United States, the people still have a very powerful voice, and if they're going to yell at a governor, they're going to yell at a governor. I've、yeah. been in a governor's office when he made a controversial decision. He's hearing those calls, and those call lines they crash pretty fast <laughs> when you're getting about a thousand calls per second. So it's really impossible here for you know. We do a really good job, I think, at holding our leaders accountable. But I don't know what Russia's kind of like. So wait, like- you suggested if America does what exactly? If America stops some trade deals, then it kind of yeah. So like, let's say if America basically told、um, them, hey, we're not going to tr- give you these trade deals, or like you know, we're going to put a tariff tax on your trade. You think that would have any influence? Yes,、yeah, so you're saying basically, hey, more, more sanctions or like more, you know, yes, make it more difficult for Russia. How, like, you know what I mean? Like, yes, I think it's it should change, but I personally think that America is not the best place to come from, like, for this change. Like, it should、yeah. come in Russia. It should it should come from Russia in the origins,、yeah. like Gen Z. Please let's let's just let's just hope for do, Gen Z. <laughs> do you see any type of change happening in Russia? No, of, yeah, my generation is the best for that. So you no, think so? I'm serious. I'm serious. Like no, I feel it. <laughs> There you go. And then do you think Putin's gonna be out soon? <laughs> a question for a million, a million dollar question. That's a million、um, dollar question. Yes, is it he, is. Is he popular or is he? <laughs> What do you, of course, he's like Trump. Like Trump and Putin are the the most popular guys on earth, right? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, as in, like you know, likable. Do people like him? No. So no one likes him. I mean, my grandparents maybe. Yeah, my yeah, grandparents like it. It's like it's like my grandparents. Like they grew up in the in the period of Cold War. Obviously, they hate America. They do. My、mm-hmm. grandparents. Do. I mean, yeah. Are you gonna keep on going? 
I mean, they do kind of like pull out some controversial things about America. Like America has is putting their nose into everyone's business. That's what they say about America. I mean, that's and you and you even now like you brought up a question like if America influences Russia in that way, would Russia change? Like, (laughs) I mean, yeah. We have a problem with putting our nose in way too many places. And we've always do. had that problem, too. We <laughs> have, you know, there's two things we love to fight, and that's socialism and oil. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Okay, this is a really nice kind of ending to this wonderful political conversation. I really, really appreciate you coming here and Thank joining me. Thank you for me. having me. Of course. And thanks for bringing awareness to all these sensitive topics and to being honest with me and everyone that is going to listen, hopefully. I'm excited (laughs) to hear it.